Welcome everyone to Season 2, Episode 72 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we'll be talking about Newcastle's new um, Saudi Arabia ownership that will be taking over the team in the coming weeks, and the news that hit the French League in League 1 and League 2 that they officially canceled, or not canceled the season, but basically called the season a quits at that um, time period that they're in. And that basically crowned PSG, uh, the league on champions um, of this season. And that also means Marseille and Rennes, Rennes, Rennes will be in the Champions League next season. And that also means Toulouse will be one of the teams uh, that will be relegated to League Two, which will, I believe when I read was will be the first time in their club history that will be relegated, which is crazy because they are now the second big European league to finally call the call the quits on the season. Um, the Eredivisie, which is the um, Dutch league, called quits on their season, although they didn't crown an official champion. They basically just voided the season, I guess, if that's if that's the right word to call it. They basically voided their season. So the French league is the first big European, I guess, uh, league to finally just call it quits and just call the champions as they are right now. And I think it kind of sends a precedent a precedent to the other European leagues to give it kind of give them an idea of like, this could be an option to kind of forego this season and move on to the next one. But it's pretty interesting news and pretty shocking right now. And for right now it's as a Liverpool fan, I'm, I'm looking at these two scenarios and I'm thinking, all right, if Liverpool were to have the, the Premier League title gift to them, because, you know, the Premier League decides to stop the season now and just, you know, do what League O does, then I don't know how to really feel about that because it's just like you don't get any of that fanfare or anything like <laughs> that, like any of the real excitement from actually doing the whole gig, like the whole 38 games. Like right now it's still at 29 games for most teams and 28 games played for like four teams. But I'm also worried, too, where if they, the Premier League takes the Dutch League route and just cancels the season and makes it void, that would be the most Liverpool thing to happen to the Premier <laughs> League. I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, the COVID-19. That was the first Gosh, this is that'd be that'd be awful. But I don't see that happening. I think <laughs> so for the Premier League, at least it's not the same as the Dutch League and League uh, in that. I feel like the Premier League definitely has more money at stake and also mm-hmm. a lot more, I would say, variance in terms of teams that could be relegated and also teams that can finish in European football competition yep. spots like Europa League and Champions League. Because mm-hmm. right now, if you were to like just call off the season and just give everyone their spots in terms of where they are now, Arsenal would not be in Europa League or Champions League. They're in ninth place yeah. right now. And Tottenham, they're in eighth. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So, and Sheffield, they played one game less than everyone above them. And they're in seventh place. So if they were to win their like match that they haven't played yet, they would be moved into fifth and then get Champions League spot and move Manchester United down to sixth. And then Manchester United instead will be in Europa League. So like, there's a lot of scenarios that can be played out because the season just literally stopped. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, the Premier League, in my opinion, would take priority to try to restart the league first 
and then just play out the rest of the games before trying to move on to a new season because there's just like too many yeah. of these little variables just to like consider. Yeah, I but, think. Uh, yeah, yeah I, th- I think I think that's true. I think one interesting thing from this, I was reading a report that the two major broadcasters for, I believe, um, one in the U.S. and one, I guess, uh, is I think two in the U.S. that broadcast the league-owned games in America, they basically said that they are not going to be paying the rest of their TV contract for this season because the season ended early, and that's huge implications because that means the whole of league owned loses a lot of money and a lot of those teams that rely maybe not a psg but some of those other teams that rely on maybe some of that tv revenue to help fund some uh fund some money to buy players and and such for their teams won't be get that won't be getting that money and i think if you look at the premier league they have so much tv revenue coming in with um, nbc sports in the u.s uh sky sports bbc sports i believe they struck a deal with amazon Amazon to broadcast some games too. So if they basically call the season off right now and there's still a bunch of games left to be played and these networks decide they're not going to pay the money, that's a lot of money that the Premier League that has prided itself on getting like those big TV contracts, that's a lot of money they're losing out on. And, you know, maybe mega clubs like Liverpool, Manchester United, you know, those clubs could maybe foster, maybe, you know, they could handle some of that cash not being there. I'm thinking, I'm looking at clubs like Leicester City, Sheffield, Burnley, Crystal Palace that may not have maybe that big buying power that some of the bigger clubs do and they need that money coming in from the Premier League. That's going to really affect how much money they'll get in like a transfer budget. But if the season did end like it is now, I really do fear for teams like Bournemouth who honestly still have a fighting chance to get out of the you know get out of the relegation zone if they put a run together and if they're relegated they just don't have the capacity in terms of the stadium and I think the fans to withstand like you know hold like ha- handle the impact of missing out on the Premier League and going into the championship because that's a huge loss of money so a team like Bournemouth missing out on the Premier League is huge I believe in terms of the amount of money they'll get in. And even if they'll, even if we'll be able to see Bournemouth in the Premier League again, I mean, it could be that drastic. Mm-hmm. And the current teams in the relegation zone right now are Norwich, Aston Villa, and Bournemouth. And Bournemouth are in the relegation zone off on goal, goal differential. Difference, and they're off by one goal. Literally <laughs> so one. Watford is above them in 17th place with a negative 17 goal difference. Same points, so 27 points. And Bournemouth, 27 points, but negative 18 goal difference. So literally, they're in the relegation zone because of one goal. Mm-hmm. And Aston Villa below Bournemouth, they haven't even played uh, the 29th game. So Aston Villa theoretically can also leap out Get of the relegation zone too. Yeah. So if they win. But it's just like little things like that where... It's it's really difficult to see how the Premier League is going to handle the situation, but I think it, it's it has to be that they have to play out the rest of the season. But at the same time, when you see other leagues like League O, the Dutch league, who are involved with Champions League and Europa League placing as well, if they're not in sync in terms of seasons, how is that going to play out really? <laughs> if, yeah. you, if the Premier League is still playing the 2019-2020 season and then League 1 and the Dutch League, the Eredivisie are already on the 2020-2021 league mm. season. I don't know how yeah. it's going to be. <laughs> no, that that definitely affects like the winter, the, the transfer windows and all that. But I, I would have to say this, that the Premier League is pretty adamant about the fact that they want to finish out this season, whether that means playing... Um, 
all the games in closed stadiums and within like a couple stadiums. So they reduce the amount of travel and, you know, the months of June or July and doing like a, a world cup style where they just play a bunch of games in a, in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the idea that they kind of want to go with and want to stick with. That'd be and a I cool saw, idea. Like if would, you imagine like just a whole <laughs> like month and then it's like, all right, we got 10 games left in the season for like every team. All right, we're going to play all 10 in one month. That'd be insane. It'd be fun. <laughs> It'd literally be like watching a summer, summer, like basically a summer soccer tournament, whether it be the Euros or World Cup, just the amount of games that will be going on yeah. at the at the same time. I think I, I I would put this out there too. I you know I don't want to read too much into this, but LeBron James kind of posted something about he wants like he him and his and his team, the LA Lakers. They've all talked about how they want to want to finish out the season and play the playoffs once NBA playoffs, once everything cools down and everything kind of gets back to normal, if that happens. And Virgil van Dyke actually posted underneath that tweet with a, an emoji, like a, like a muscle emoji or something like that. And basically you could read it as he was agreeing with LeBron James. I think a couple, I've even seen like Bruno Fernandez. um, He's been talking about like how he just wants to kick the season on again and just finish it off. And, you know, you see players like Virgil van Dyke, uh, who kind of have the same sentiments. I think a good amount of Premier League players want to get the season back on and just kind of finish it out. But it's definitely it's definitely a bit risky because you definitely have to take in everything in account. But I do think a lot of players kind of just want to finish out the season and not just call it void because I think that would be pretty harsh uh, for all clubs that are associated with the Premier League just to call this season void, like just to have this season voided, basically. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. Now I'm just really hooked on that idea of just having like a World Cup style because like that can definitely work for Champions League right now because mm-hmm. it's knockout stages. Yeah, and but, that's the thing. I think yeah. you, I think UEFA, um, obviously the governing body that has uh, the Champions League and Europa League. I think they basically said that they want, um, they want to finish out this season's Champions League and Europa League, and that obviously that means they have to squeeze in all these matches. Um, in this short amount of time, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how these leagues do it. As Tyler and I mentioned before that we recorded, we're glad we're not the ones making decisions because <laughs> this is literally, you're holding the lifeline of people's like fanhood and also the amount of money that these clubs have. Like you're literally holding these people that are making decisions are holding so much money and power in their balance. It, I would go crazy if I was trying to make this decision. Yeah. And I'm not sure are too sure why like the Dutch league and league uh, decided like, so I guess so soon, because mm-hmm. I guess around now would be when the seasons would end. So it would make it a lot cleaner for these, these leagues to end. And then now like they can start fresh next season. But at the same time, you know, league, um, they still do have a lot of teams at stake in terms of placement for the Europa League, although they don't have as many Europa League and Champions League spots as, say, you know, Premier, Premier League or La Liga. There are certain teams in there that you see as regulars that are not even close, like Lyon and like certain teams that are surprising there, like Rennes, they're in third right now. Like they got a little lucky, but like there are there are teams in there that you know. Like, yeah, like Nice, uh, Montpellier. Like you got like a couple of teams, like a couple of new teams in there that were kind of challenging for maybe getting a a Champions League spot. Even like Lyle, um, I believe that's a old team of Eden Hazard. Oh, Lille. 40, yeah, yeah, Lille. <laughs> Forty nine points. They were one point away from Rennes, and they basically got Europa League. <laughs> that's 
That's crazy because the season was avoided. You know, you never know. They could have like kicked on and got into the Champions League spot. And it's it's crazy because you look at obviously I think the big teams like you know they could bounce back and hopefully make Champions League or Europa League next season. But I'm like uh, especially in the Premier League. I mean, when are we like could Sheffield United even have another season like this? Maybe that might be a Wolves where they kind of develop their players a little bit more and you know can stay consistent. But the fact that Wolves and Sheffield are basically fighting for, you know, top six position. I mean, could that happen again next season or even Leicester having this type of season next season? I mean, we just don't know. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty hurtful, I think, for those teams that are kind of having maybe the season of their lives. Like, could you imagine if this happened during the 2015-2016 Leicester title season? Um, That'd be devastating. (laughs) That'd be so... Because there's no way that team could pull off whatever they did another season in a row. I mean, we saw it. Mm-hmm. Like, they just couldn't do it. And if that season basically got voided, I would feel so bad. That would be so horrible. So hurtful for that team. Yeah, and Liverpool, too. Maybe <laughs> <You've> a <been laughs> title in 30 years. It's like, this, this is it. But, I mean, even, like, just the cascading effect, too, for not only the Premier League, but also, like, the championship, the and power champ underneath them and then league two under that it's like there's just a cascading effect where if you cancel premier league then you have to cancel the leagues under them yeah. and like for sure there's a playoffs in the championship for the third spot of promotion so i don't even know how that would work but uh, it's just like a lot of hypothetical scenarios throughout there yeah. but this is all we can say for now is that league one or league uh in french league <laughs> is now um Can't, or now done done Basically. yeah it's not done. canceled but it's just like it's just wrapped up and finished yep. and then the dutch league is, has been canceled yep. i honestly wouldn't be too concerned for the premier league and unless i start seeing like la liga oh my gosh if la liga does it or the bundesliga yeah I that's think when it's be concerned over. because right now <laughs> not you know all all respect to league oh but <laughs> <PSG's> <laughs> the title run was wrapped up the yeah. title was wrapped up <laughs> so I would say this though, um, Bundesliga has been pretty. Uh, they've had a pretty positive outlook. They were supposed to try to get the season back on in May 9th, but they've had to push that back again. But it seems like the Bundesliga has been pretty progressive in terms of trying to figure out a way to get the season back on. And I know La Liga has been pretty cautious about it. And obviously, Spain and Italy were hit pretty hard with the coronavirus and everything, just like every every other place in the world. But I think they got the first hits of it really tough um and they have tried to remain adamant about the fact that they could possibly kick started i think it's just a little bit they're just playing it a little bit more cautious um just for the sake of what what's going on in their respective countries but right now luckily i haven't read or heard of any hints of spain or italy nullifying or just voiding their seasons which is a good a good thing to hear if you're a premier league fan yeah it's Man, I just miss sports now. <laughs> I know. It's just like a weird tangent, but it's I'm all these back. little things where the, everyone kind of has different ideas, but it's just throughout the world, there's just another priority, which, of course, we need to make sure everyone's still healthy because there's no point going into, you know, as you just mentioned, all these like little indoor games are in closed, closed doors and closed quarters if yeah. someone's going to get sick again. Because yeah. apparently Paulo Dybala got tested positive four times. Like in the yeah. past six weeks, I'm like, how does one catch the same virus four times? <laughs> I think like I think that's a little ridiculous because like, what I, is he doing? That, 
doesn't it take like once you get healed doesn't it take a while for the thing to officially leave your system i wonder if they were just testing him each time he said he was good they just kept testing him <laughs> kept testing him i'm like of course he's still gonna be sick like it takes time for the thing to get out of your system yeah but i oh guess my. like you even as a non-carry like or, or like yeah. people who aren't showing symptoms you can just carry it too so I yeah guess that's the thing is like Dybala is fine but he's still yeah. showing we can was still like a carrier that's not uh, good yeah oh my yeah it's, i was i was gonna yeah. <laughs> i was gonna point out i um i heard tyler's dog barking in the background so definitely the dog is uh feeling with us that they they want the premier league back oh true <laughs> barking for the premier league <laughs> um everyone's just working at home so <laughs> exactly home quarantine content, quarantine <laughs> content basically <laughs> but uh that's kind of the news i know everyone's been trying to keep up with that but another big news that's been circulating around in the premier league is the premier league will get a new owner and specifically if you are any newcastle fans which i think a lot of maybe atlanta united fans are partially newcastle fans just because miguel almiron is obviously a player there their current owner mike ashley will soon be out of his position because a saudi arabian consortium will be taking over Newcastle and probably I think in the coming days, all the reports I'm seeing in the coming days or in the next week, basically um, the club will kind of be bought out for $380 million from that group. And it'll be held by a public investment fund, which is the the chairman of that fund is Crown Prince Mohammed bin Sal- Sal- Salman um, from Saudi Arabia. And he'll be owning 80% stake of the team. And then there will also be uh, the Rubin Brothers, which is a billionaire-backed UK uh, UK group, which will hold another 10%. And then the PCP Capital Partners will own the other 10%. So obviously, it's a big shakeup for Newcastle, who have been under Mike Ashley for, I believe, since 2007. Um, so really, this is, uh, this is quite shocking. And it's definitely going to happen because um, I read that Mike Ashley actually got a non-refundable £17 million um, deposit from uh, basically since with all these sales that are going on, these transactions. But I would have to mention this, though, that this uh, ownership, new ownership group that's coming in has been under a little bit of scrutiny, especially the Prince Mohammed bin Salman, because there have been reports that he was allegedly uh, in charge of, he basically ordered the killing of a journalist in Saudi Arabia. And obviously he's denied the reports, but that is just something that a lot of people have been kind of pointing out in terms of how ethical it is for someone to be owning a Premier League team when they are when all these other you know mishaps are happening in their own country. I know Manchester City's owner group, ownership group has gotten fallen under it, but I think that's very interesting, uh, very interesting thing that's out there as well. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they're probably going to pass their ethics test, which all new Premier League owners have to take. And if they do pass it, the sale will soon be confirmed and Newcastle will have new owners, which means they'll have an influx of money and most probably owners that are going to be willing to spend the money to buy and reinvenerate the squad and basically get them competing for the top, I would say the top top half of the table again. Like if this was the equivalent of a FIFA analogy, this is when <laughs> you pick Newcastle is your career mode team, and then you go into the EA catalog, and then you pick <laughs> financial takeover. But not only do you buy just one of those, you buy every single one in one go. I don't exactly. know if you can actually do that, but I think it's like one per season. But 
if you if you found a glitch, <laughs> if you hacked into it and just bought yeah. every one of them. Because this new owner, this new Saudi Arabian owner, is now the richest owner of any football club in the Premier League by I think a long way actually. Yeah. So this is basically a pay to win situation for for Newcastle. <laughs> can they pull like a Manchester City where they can just buy a whole bunch of new players? I don't think Chelsea, they can do it. Or like Robin Abramovich just put yeah. money into like the problems. It's literally, I it's it's something I will be slightly concerned about in terms of like financial fair play because every time we see new owners come in like this and start spending buckets of money on players, then it just ups the price for everyone else. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see how Newcastle kind of develop because what players will stay, what players will go, and how will the culture of the team be once this new owner is in? Because new owner can like bring in all new staff and everything like that. And I seen reports that like Pochettino potentially could be going to Newcastle and that can attract certain other players. But I mean, I don't think Newcastle will change overnight, but I think this is yeah. a good step in the right direction for them to now start, you know, competing like they did in the nineties when they had Alan Shearer on their team, trying to get the Premier League title, because I think eventually if they invest in the right players that are like good youth players that want to be on the team, then I think they will be there will there won't just be a top six anymore. There will be like a top seven. Actually, yeah. Even new or even Leicester haven't knocking on that door recently. So it could be it could be like a whole top half at this rate. <laughs> exactly. It'll be very competitive. I think I think this will be interesting because if this new ownership group is going to be very ambitious in terms of getting Newcastle back to, you know, relevancy in terms of being a big club an actual big club in terms of, you know, where they currently, where they consistently finish in the top half and have very good players and very good seasons. I think it's going to be very interesting to see who they kind of target and what they're kind of going for. Because even when Manchester City, when they got the influx of money, it still took them a couple of years to build, you know, even a core group of players that could win the Premier League. You know, obviously they had to start off buying guys like um, Robinho, <laughs> the failed mm. signing of Robinho, players like that who, even Carlos Tevez, who were big at the time, but, you know, weren't, I would say Tevez was probably really big, but, you know, they weren't Aguero, David Silva. And even when they did purchase players like Company, Aguero, David Silva, it's not like they were to the level they are right now. It's They, they were approaching to the point where that they could potentially be become big you know, big time players, but, you know, City took the chance and spent the money in getting them into the club and they eventually developed and got nurtured into becoming, you know, some of the best of the best. So for Newcastle, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of strategy they do because this could go horribly wrong too. They could just try to buy a bunch of hodgepodge of players. And we've seen with teams like Fulham that just get like a influx of money and just try to buy a bunch of players and buy their way into like a Premier League uh, standing, it could go horribly wrong if you have like no good te- team chemistry, no consistent style of play, and you're just chopping and changing managers. I've always been the fa- fan of slowly building something rather than trying to rush at something and trying to fix it. Coming from a Man- Manchester United fan, I know that buying quick fixes and buying players that are you know over the age of like 29, reaching 30 years old, and paying big money wages to them. It's not really going to solve the problem. It may get you a good maybe year or half a year or year and a half, but at the end of the day, it might break down. So I think it's better if they start off trying to build like a solid base of um, a solid foundation 
and then they can start building on that. And then I think that's the best way they can finally get out of this hole and, you know, eventually become a very successful club again. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, though, a lot of these star big teams have really good academies, like, you know, Liverpool Academy, Manchester United Academy, like just produce stars after stars. But Newcastle Academy (laughs) is like, (laughs) you name anyone off the top of your head it's like i can't it's like what's that what's the two brothers matthew and sean probably those but like like those guys are like you know eh, like they're not like superstars you know and the reason why i kind of bring that up is because like when you go on instagram or twitter anything you see not just you know good players linked to newcastle now with this new ownership you see like photoshops of mbappe going to newcastle or like dibala going to newcastle like these huge players going so like if the severe or the propensity or like the severity of this situation is like it's kind of difficult to bring analogy to is basically they're they're trying to bring in the best players in the like the world's best into the squad mm-hmm. like they have the ability to do that fulham they brought in john michael sari they brought in shurla but those are good players. Mitrovic. Not, yeah, Mitrovic. These are players <laughs> that are good, but these aren't players that have won a World Cup. World I guess Shirley has, but these aren't yeah. the players that you'd see in like Nike sponsorships as like the number one most sold jersey number or most sold jersey name, things like that. Mm. That's the kind of players Newcastle yeah. are trying to bring in. So having a mix I, of that is going to be interesting to see. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get would say though. <laughs> I don't think no, no that. way. There no, there's no way they're getting Mbappe. Um, but I was, I was, I would say this that I did read. Um, I know Tyler, you mentioned this that this new owner will be like the richest owner in the Premier League. But their commercial uh, revenue has dropped a lot. Um, in these past couple of years, ever since Mike Ashley took over, and they're hoping, um, they're reporting that with this new ownership group that will, you know, they're gonna pour money into the commercial side of the business and try to raise revenue that way. Um. And basically, before Mike Ashley took over, the Newcastle Academy I was reading was apparently one of, you know, one of the premier ones that in England, alongside the Liverpool and Manchester United and such. But since Mike Ashley took over, a lot of people have reported that there has been kind of a lack of leadership there. And that academy has slowly and slowly deteriorated into becoming probably one of England's worst. So, you know, I think for any good club, I think they need to have a decent academy. And I think it will be very interesting to see um, how much money they kind of pour into the academy and like in terms of getting good, high quality coaches, you know, upgrading the facilities, all that little things that um, you don't necessarily get in a FIFA career mode, but really do make a difference (laughs) in real life play. I think those are some of the little, the background things that I would be, I, that I, I will pay attention and pay attention to because that will kind of show me, okay, this club is actually moving into the sort of the right direction. Yeah, and for me at least, I feel like Newcastle also have a very good foundation in terms of like the fan base and the stadium itself. Yeah, they have a huge stadium. And St James's Park is huge. It's low. Like people don't really realize this, but St James's Park is how many? I think it fit almost as much as Anfield, like fifty five thousand, something like that. It's crazy. It's it's a big stadium, and it it's crazy because you look at a team like Bournemouth, who I would say in the past, obviously this season it's different. Past four four years they've consistently done better than newcastle and if you look at the size of their stadium compared to newcastle's night and day night and day difference and that's the biggest thing that's been hurting newcastle is they just cannot get the sleeping giant to wake up again i know rafa benitez 
was at a point trying to get it to work, but then he just couldn't deal with Mike Ashley and the lack of funds and the lack of investment. Um, I, I just think like they just have so much potential that just mm-hmm. needs to get utilized because they, you know, they had Jeannie Wijnaldum at one point, Mitrovic, yeah. they had Musa Sissoko. <laughs> um, a lot of these players are now on the top six clubs, you know, whether they're starting players or rotational players, they're, they're there and they're making a difference. And they were at one point at Newcastle. And Newcastle, although they weren't never in the more recent decade, like a team that consistently challenged for the title, they usually were top half. And they had yeah. certain players, like notable players, like as you just mentioned, all those, but also like Hatem Ben Arfa. They had Kabai, Johan Kabai. Yeah. And at one point, Andy Carroll was pretty good there too. But yeah, it's just all these like notable names that like for the recent seasons they've been struggling to get like Almiron is one of their best players and Joelington as well but both of them haven't yeah. really scored much it's just mainly been the defenders yeah. scoring from set pieces so <laughs> if, share. yeah so if they can even just bring back like entertaining football like a, a, a way for them to challenge any team rather than like kind of all right we're gonna have to scrap a point here or two or something like that kind of mentality get that out of there I think that'll also help the club because right now they're just I feel like they've just been trying to get by like every single season. It's like, oh, this could be mm-hmm. it. But now because there's no funding or because of like yeah. things like that, it's just like, oh, they just got to get by. And to the point where they even got relegated within the recent decade too. So, Yeah. And then, they're pretty and, fortunate yeah. to bounce right back up. And yeah. They were lucky Rafa Benita stayed as mm-hmm. manager and didn't leave and jump ship. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's and, a lot going for them. But I honestly think they just need to get that, that you know, that flame back lit under them. The fact that they yeah. have like, you know, Newcastle beer as their sponsorship, like the, the whole Northeast of England kind of vibe rather than, you know, yeah. random sponsors on their jerseys and just like a random hodgepodge of players on their team trying to get by. They, they just need to get their culture back. And I think they can be once again, another good team in the Premier League because that's what everyone kind of expects from them. <laughs> No, I I agree. I was gonna quickly mention um James Milner. Was he at Newcastle at one point? Or was he at West Ham United? I can't remember. Uh, I don't think he was at either. Actually, I think he's only at. City or did he? Or did he start at Aston, Aston Villa. Villa? Yeah, Aston Villa. Oh, yeah. that's right, Aston Villa. All right, I got it mixed up. But yeah, no, Newcastle have always had some pretty good players. But I I think in general, I think the money and probably like the new vibe this ownership group will give will be much better than kind of the dreadful moodiness that was surrounding St. James's Park for a long time under Mike Ashley. I mean, we just, I mean, I would just go on Twitter and see how bad it got for Mike <laughs> Ashley and just that whole team. But I would point this out. This wasn't on our outline, but kind of switching over to another Premier League team. Uh, Timo Werner has been, I think I saw a quote that he definitely, or there's been reports that saying that he will most likely reject Bayern Munich and he really is in love with Jurgen Klopp and wants to play for Jurgen Klopp. And Liverpool, I think, are keen to sign him, I believe, if I read the reports correctly. Yes. I mean, Tyler, do you think, like, on a possibility level from, like, 0 to 100, like, what percentage chance do you think Timo Werner could be playing in a Liverpool, Nike Liverpool shirt, jersey, uh, this coming or next season? For me, honestly, I think it's, like, a pretty decent percentage, like 70%. Mm. And... The reason why is because, you know, Timo Werner, he's the carry for RB Leipzig. And this is, and Liverpool do have a need for 
a, another forward because although they have Divock Origi, they have uh, Shakiri up there as and Minamino more recently as rotating players that they can bring in and out. They do need another player that is for sure a starter. Like a, like Origi, he's probably the best of the bunch in terms of the rotation, but not every time when he starts, he's like consistent. He's just one of those players where he's a very good impact player off the bench. But Werner, he's literally a player who starts for Germany, for the German national team. He's like the main player. And for RB Leipzig, he is like the main man. So he would bring a different dynamic to Liverpool for sure. He's literally just pure pace yeah, he's an as out well. He's an out-and-out striker. Yeah, out-and-out striker. <laughs> and that's something Liverpool only have like Divock Origi for. Although they do have Rian Brewster, he is still developing. And I think for Liverpool, they're in a very much a win-now situation. So I think Brewster is still maybe one for the future. But unless Brewster all of a sudden becomes like Mbappe... <laughs> like Mbappe-esque level. Rashford or yeah like Rashford it's like I don't know if Brewster can even get into that yeah. substitute bench so I think for Werner it's it's a pretty decent chance but the other thing I've been hearing too is that Mbappe maybe is looking into Liverpool as well but that's even more far-fetched oh. I think that's more of like a 10% kind of situation but at the same time yeah I I I, I okay. see it in a sense because obviously Liverpool have signed that new Nike sponsorship deal and mm-hmm. obviously Nike Mbappe is a Nike, you know, Nike athlete. Um so that I, I could see a I could see a case for that, but I think it'd be very interesting. Like obviously if you have Mbappe available and you can buy him, you buy him. But you know, if they do have Werner, does that kinda like what like what what in, in a sense like what's the need for Mbappe type yeah. thing? You choose one but, or the other at this rate. <laughs> And but then, I know I think if Timo Werner did come, I think that would be a huge thing because any title, like if you saw the Sterlax Ferguson sides, each season they slowly improved the team. Even if they won the you know the Champions League or if they won the Premier League, they would try to find ways to improve the team. Whether that meant you know buying a starting another starting striker, buying you know upgrading the team in any type of way, he was all for that. And I think that's the right way to go because you'll have a young, hungry striker that will be wanting to take Firmino's spot which is always a good thing, mm-hmm. you know. And too much competition usually isn't too much of an issue. And I really like yeah. that mentality that Ferguson had during his long reign at Manchester United because that was literally how I kind of thought about it, where, you know, Liverpool, they're usually not in the situation where they have the opportunity to improve on what they have. It's like, oh, you need to fix this hole, we need to fix that hole, we need you know, <laughs> like a gap over there. It's usually not like, oh, like we don't really have to do too much. We're kind of we're kind of set. We're like the Kansas City Chiefs. Like yeah. we don't really have to do too much. Yeah. It feels great. But oh, that's like just, that's uh that's like where you get the like the fat cat syndrome. Where everyone just gets lazy. Yeah, and that's when it's like oh, we'll be good again. Like you need this constant new influx of new players coming in. Even if you feel like everything's good, bringing a new player can keep that competitive notion in and also bring out even more from players because like there are a few times during the season where you think it's like ah money was having a bad game or two or asala uh, was having a bad game or two Firmino just can't really score at away or it was either home or away <laughs> and then it's just like little things like that and then <laughs> maybe so having long, that no. yeah it was maybe having that extra player it'll kind of incentivize them or like kind of get them into like the right thinking it's like all right i gotta like actually turn up otherwise this guy's like just right behind me on the bench he's willing to take mm-hmm. it so it's just little things like that. But also you have to think, will other players maybe want to leave when you see a player like that come in? Because, you know, Shakiri mm-hmm. apparently I, might be on his way out. 
And that's unfortunate. I really thought like um I think he has played his role a decent bit, but I thought like when they did sign him, um I thought he was going to play a lot more and have a much bigger impact. Um cuz essentially he's still a, like he like in a sense is still a steal of a signing cuz they didn't pay that much for him, but yeah. I honestly thought he was going to kick on a little bit more and become a more of an impact player. Um unfortunately that didn't happen and maybe that's just like the sign that Shakiri really didn't live up to his potential and is kind of like you know I wouldn't say mediocre, but he has like on his day he can be very good, but like most of the time he's kind of like meh. I yeah. would say, and he is kind of he has started a lot of games for Liverpool during times when there was a lot of injuries, but he never really solidified his place in in the team. And for mm-hmm. Shakiri, I know he is one of those players that a lot of people had a lot of expectations for in terms of the potential he could have fulfilled, but throughout his entire career. You see him at Bayern, Bayern man. Yeah. And then you see him in other teams and then eventually ended up at Stoke and then Stoke got relegated. And yep. then that's when we ended up at Liverpool. So I think yeah. for him, he still wants to try to fulfill that potential and being on the bench for Liverpool is not the best for him, but yeah, if he, I, I, I'd love for him to stay honestly, because he is a great presence to have not only in like in the locker room, but also when he does get on the field, I feel like every time he makes an impact, He's just such a dynamic player that he can just rip a long shot from somewhere. He is smart enough to have that attacking position awareness to, you know, score against Manchester United, <laughs> like little things like that, <laughs> like literally just right off the bench. And it's just, it's very rare to find it in a player like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, eventually a player like that, if he's that good, he'd want to have like regular chances to keep playing football. Cause eventually for the national team, like Switzerland, this is watching is if their star player is just not really playing it's like mm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a little it's a little hard to see so i think for him maybe that's yeah. why he wants to go just to get more regular first team football and i think that's what it's going to be like for lalana as well i think we'll see lalana leaving this summer as well because mm-hmm. minamino came in as well so yeah i don't know this could be no, a few i think changes uh, to happen but I think it's um I think it's good. I think they're like slowly phasing out some players that don't necessarily are getting older and just don't have the quality and they're bringing in like younger uh younger players that have a lot of potential and you know more proven players. So I think it's just like the rotation of just phasing out older players while also bringing in players systematically. Mm-hmm. But I would also like to mention another Premier League side there was um Babariso uh Romano I believe he is a really uh, well-known a transfer reporter for um, Sky Sports Italy, and he's pretty spot-on with all of his transfer rumors and everything that goes on because he's pretty plugged in. He did a podcast with one of the Manchester United, I guess, fan pages, and they asked him about Jaden Sancho, and he said that uh, all of Manchester United are in love with him. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a big fan of him, and they haven't had official meetings with Dortmund, but from all the accounts that I've been, he's been saying is that United do want to get a deal done with Borussia Dortmund. And right now, I think the asking price Dortmund have said have been at a hundred million, I believe pounds. That's the right conversion Ooh. I'm getting 80, hundred million pounds. But with all that's going on, I think they've lowered it down to 80 million pounds. But as far as like the front runners to like sign him, he, he said Manchester United are in the league. Like they're, Basically, they've overlapped, you know, Chelsea for that trying to for the signature of Jaden Sancho. They basically leapfrogged them and are 
on their way, if they could, if everything was normal, they would have been in contact with him. But I thought what was also interesting too was Paul Pogba that Juventus have made Paul Pogba their number one target, and you know <laughs> they want to they want to sign him back. But the the thing was that they had there's been no official contact, and if the season was playing out normally like it was, Juventus would have actually started formal contacts with Manchester United at this point. But um, apparently. The asking price United wanted to lit in return, but Juventus weren't able, weren't willing to fork that up. So they're asking, like, if they could get, give you guys, like, give back Ramsey or Pjanic in return for Paul Fogba. But I thought that was pretty interesting. Those couple transfer rumors, because, in all honesty, I, I really do feel like Jaden Sancho could be a Manchester United player um, from the start of next season, because I really do think that, um, from everything I've been hearing, they really want to prioritize getting him, and basically making Dan James like kind of like an impact bench player. But I think that um, those are pretty interesting news. I really hope Jane Sancho can be a Manchester United player, um, but it is a lot of money to fork up for at, I think a what 21 year old, 20 year old right now. So it's, it, it would be interesting. He's like assist King in the yeah. Bundesliga <laughs> at least. And also having mm-hmm. him go from Manchester city to Borussia Dortmund and then to Manchester United, that'd be some, some straight banter right there, honestly. <laughs> this goes to the rival club from where I don't know yeah. if you came from the Manchester City Academy, but I do know he was at Manchester City before going to uh, Dortmund. Dortmund, and he was one of those you know up and coming players, and he's kind of fulfilled a lot of his potential right now. So I I would be yeah, kind he's of good upset. friends with <laughs> he he's good friends with Rashford. Yeah. Oh really good my, him and Marcus Rashford are they, big buddies. The writing's on the wall. They've been like <laughs> I mean, that's like Lukaku and Pogba right there. <laughs> but <I know. laughs> uh, I'd be upset if he went to Manchester United as a Liverpool fan because it's kind of like seeing Bruno Fernandes go to Manchester United. It's like, dang, that's a really good player. So I'd be happy for yeah. you, Yash, but I'm just like, man. <laughs> Dude, that's how I feel about Timo Werner, man. You guys get a Nike kit deal and then Timo Werner could potentially look like he's most probably going to go to Liverpool. Mm. Got me upset, <laughs> but I, I, I'm happy. I, like I mean, like... <laughs> that's like those are good signings it's 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 annoying when the uh the rival club makes good signings that you can't just laugh at because it's like yeah, oh, this is a dumb like, oh that's actually like, a good dang. signing <laughs> yeah it's actually a good sign it's like man <laughs> it's like uh it's like you're you're like you're like feeling pain inside but you can't you can't show that outside mm-hmm. i would <laughs> like, i will say i rather it. sancho go to united than chelsea because i rather yeah, pull, like, try to get Christian some more Pulisic. yeah for Chelsea. Yeah. And Chelsea already I, have enough wingers. <laughs> yeah, like dude. 50. They need to figure out what they're gonna do with Pedro, Willian, Hudson Adoy. They they have a whole bunch of mm-hmm. wingers on that team. And so, they also have Billy Gilmore, who apparently is supposed to be like the next star midfielder for yeah, them. Yeah, and so, the two games he played he was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, those are some transfer rumors I was seeing uh kind of kind of looking at, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just we've been kind of going through the motions, hoping, mm-hmm. hoping soccer comes back. I really want soccer to come back. I'll, I'll literally, I'll watch every single MLS game ever if oh that means all, all, all sports come back. And I, MLS isn't bad, but man, I really do miss live sports. I've been watching mm-hmm. so many old highlight videos on YouTube. I'm going insane playing yeah. FIFA Career Mode too to kind of emulate being in real life, but it can only do so much. <laughs> I, I literally just bought like a VR headset, like the Oculus Quest, oh, okay. just so that it's nice. like, all right, I can go outside now, but virtually. <laughs> it's like walk out the tunnel. 
So you yeah, walk, walk out the, the tunnel, tunnel. like Edfield. <laughs> it's like literally that. And then also watching like certain documentaries on Netflix, like Sunderland till I die. It's Ooh, just like, I, I finished that one. That yeah. was really good. I finished I'm, season one and two. Super good. I'm on good. season two. So it's just like little things like that where if there's no live sports, but anything sports related, we're just going to, you know, latch on, Cling to, on to because that's all we got. <laughs> so, you know, to our listeners, oh. hopefully you guys are still hanging in there, staying safe. You know, you know, washing those hands and, you know, hopefully not going yes. too crazy about sports because it's going to be, I feel, for another several weeks, if not a few months. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think right now everyone is like doing their good, the right thing and making sure everyone's healthy first before we go back into these sports. And also there are a lot of things, a lot of news going on, luckily, that we can talk about that will be interesting for the following season. So there you go. You got that yeah. at least. Yeah, I do. I would have to say, though, like we do have a preview, I guess, sort of like some ideas we've been kind of throwing out, maybe like a Premier League draft day um, Mm -hmm. in honor of the NFL draft. Obviously, that NFL draft happened um, last week, but Tal and I were kind of throwing out the idea of maybe doing an episode on the Premier League draft. Just a couple of things just to have content out there. But yeah, I mean, as long as news keeps coming in like this, especially with the Newcastle thing, we'll definitely monitor that and see what um, see what the see what the news continues to go on over there but yeah other than that that kind of does it for us for episode 72 of the premiere pod thank you guys so much please make sure to rate comment subscribe it's what you like what you don't like and peace peace peace